Hey friends, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. We believe that you were made for God's mission. We encourage you to check out our website, highlandcc.org, where you can learn more about what you are called to in Christ Jesus. Let's hear a message today that we hope will challenge, encourage you, and ultimately help you to grow and identify your purpose in the plan of God. Good morning, church. Today's one of our biggest Sundays of the year. This is Life-Giving Sunday, when we're going to give over $160,000 today to bless the best ministries in Memphis, in this country, and around the world. You know, one of the great things about the the outreach contributions, the Life-Giving Sundays we've had during the pandemic, and who would have thought that there'd be anything great coming out of that? One of the great things is that people all over the world have been giving to this outreach contribution each time because they're watching us online. And so thank you. We know you believe in the work that we're doing in the name of Jesus Christ. So thank you for your investment. Hey, today is really special, not only because it's Life-Giving Sunday, but because we're going to hear from one of our best ministry partners, the ministry of Timothy Hill. Let me first introduce these guests I've got with me. Um, I'll start over there on the end. That is Thud Hill, the executive director of Timothy Hill. And you've all met Thud before. He's been with us before. In fact, if you were joining us online, Thud was with us our last special contribution, Life-Giving Sunday. We're thankful to have him back. And and then this is Miss Linda Bateman, who for many of you needs uh, no introduction. She was a Highlander for 42 years. And then the first Sunday I was here almost 10 years ago, she left. (laughs) She now lives in East Tennessee, but she's on the board of Timothy Hill. And so she's going to share with us today as well as about, uh, about the ministry of Timothy Hill. Tell us, uh, we saw a testimony from Chris there of a life changed and transformed by the work of Timothy Hill. Give us, for those who don't know Timothy Hill in the the work there at the ranch, give us just a brief snapshot. What is it that you all do there? Thank you, uh, Eric, and thank you, Highland family. Uh, I think, uh, as Chris articulated, that Timothy gives the opportunity, Timothy Hill gives the opportunity to offer community often for the first time. For young people, you know, you're hearing somebody who's going in and out of 32 foster homes. Uh, Hard to have stability in your life when there's that much transition. So I think that there's a, uh, we we talk about faith in Christ, uh, hospitable community, uh, authentic relationships as our three core values as an organization. And I think that young people get to experience that often for the first time. And so it's not always received well right on the front end because it's so strange and different when you talk about people, you know, loving you and, and, and articulating that when you've seen very twisted versions of what that looks like in your life. It's, it's, it's hard to receive, but, uh, but I think that briefly encapsulates, you know, what Timothy Hill does. Absolutely. I think uh, Russ Terman and I were going through some of the video testimonies that Timothy Hills put out to share one with, with you all today. And the amount of brokenness and struggle that so many of these young people have been through is unimaginable to most of us. And to come into a place where they can be loved, transformation through love is the, the work of Timothy Hill, uh, find community, brotherhood, and most of all, Christ. Like that has the capacity to change your heart and your life. So I'm thankful for the work you're doing. Okay, Miss Linda, it, Highland's been a partner of Timothy Hill for a long time, and we owe that partnership in large part to you. What was it that drew you to Timothy Hill? And then talk about those early years of Highland's partnership with that ministry. I used to visit Long Island uh, years ago with, to visit some friends that were college friends, Cliff and Tish Clark. Cliff is now the chair of our board. Um, and they introduced me to Jerry and Fern and the ranch. 
And I just fell in love with the ministry. I got to meet the boys and see the changes that were going on in their lives. And in 1993, Wayne Simpson, Claire Coffey, and I, and an intern, took a group of 12 to Long Island to the ranch to do a service project to conduct a vacation Bible school and to get to know the boys. That team came back with their own observations and their own stories and what they saw there on the ranch and told families and friends about Timothy Hill. A few months later, the hills came down. We had a breakfast over at, on Highland. And uh, the hills came down, and, and they got to know them in person and see and hear from the hills. And once that happened, Highland bought in. <laughs> and they've just been the most, Highland's been the most wonderful support and encouragement to us over the years. I'm so grateful. Thanks, Ms. Linda. Yeah, Timothy Hill is one of the ministries, and there are nearly 30 ministries, but one of the ministries we support today through Life Giving Sunday. And this is a, a partnership that's been ongoing since the mid-90s. And it's one of the things I love about this church is that when we commit to you, we commit for the long haul. We stick, that's right. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that we, I think as believers, and certainly here at Highland, we're always wondering, how does transformation happen? <clears throat> you know, it happens... We believe through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And uh, you told a story just a second ago in our first service about a young man um, who had been in a bunch of places, but, but you were the only place that introduced him to God and Jesus Christ. And so as you think about what, what is the primary thing, the message you're pouring into these young people to invite the transformation of God in their life? And then share that story just briefly. Yeah. I, I use three illustrations from the New Testament that stand out to me where there's an engagement that's taking place that seems, uh, it seems out of the ordinary. You know, Jesus talking to the woman at the well, um, you know, she even questions it like, you know, you know, who are you talking to me? Why, why are you talking to me? Um, you know, Jesus talk, telling the story of the, of the Good Samaritan. And, and, and in reality, I'm sure that he saw much of that in his ministry where people were walking by on the other side. You know, people were, that were broken and beaten up, and yet people were walking by. And was challenging his, his followers to say, you know, be, be that one. Be the neighbor that's willing to bandage the wounds, that's willing to take care of some of those physical needs. And then John chapter 21, where Jesus is restoring Peter, and he, before being crucified, is, is washing their feet. And in that scene, which sometimes I think might get missed subtly, that Jesus shows up to that scene with fish and bread in hand and is cooking breakfast as they come in. So being willing to engage with people that most of the people in the town would not have been associated with the woman at the well. Being willing to engage with people that others won't. Um, being willing to bandage wounds when people are in broken places, uh, being willing to offer hospitality, offer agape to someone who has hurt you and rejected you, which is often the case with the young people we're working with. You know, we're, we're getting cursed at. We're seeing things getting broken and have to show up on a regular basis with love in our hearts towards somebody who's needs a life preserver because they're drowning emotionally and spiritually, and yet you're throwing it to them and they're throwing it back in your face. It's like, but we have to keep showing up. 
And so I think that being willing to engage, being willing to bandage, being willing to keep showing up because so many people have abandoned and just quit on these young people in their life and being willing to be that force that keeps showing up day in, day out, I think are some of the pieces of what contributes to transformation through love. Tell us about that young man, um, Sean. Tell us about Sean real quick. So Sean was a young man from Long Island that um, left the Timothy Hill Ranch under really tough circumstances. And about two months ago, he text, started texting me and very much out of the blue. He's probably been out of the ranch for seven or eight years. He's down in Florida now. And he basically said, you know, you know, I basically thought, and I'm hoping I'll filter it. I'm sorry. I have to filter my New York a little bit. Um, he, uh, he basically said, I just, you know, thought you guys were full of it. Um, you know, when you guys were talking about God, he's like, you know, you'd, we'd go to church and we'd hear you guys talking about it. But I'd been in other agencies. Nobody had ever mentioned this. And it was just so strange to me. I didn't believe in God. And he goes, you know, I, I got down here in Florida and I kind of got back into trouble and I got in and out of jail. And he said, at one point I was just kind of in this broken place. And he said, I was in jail. And I said, you know, all right, God, if you're real, you know, I've heard you talk about this. Um, you know, I've heard your name mentioned and I don't really believe in you, but if you're real, show me. And he actually had, I missed, missed this part of the story. He actually, somebody had given him a Bible at some point and he, but he hadn't opened it. So he opened it and a piece of paper fell out in the, and there was one word on it and it said heard. So he's like, okay, that's, that's strange. An hour later, he got a cellmate. And this guy said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but you're getting out of here. I just, I believe you're getting out of here. He said a couple hours later, the jail came and the jailers came and opened up the jail and said, you're out of here. He was there six months. He said, I was waiting to be sentenced. I didn't know really what was supposed to be happening. He said, but something happened with my case. I just got out. He said, I went out. I still got into some other trouble. He said, and when I got into trouble again, he goes, maybe I should try that prayer thing. And so he prayed to God again. He's like, God, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a bind again. Can you, can you help me out? And he said, you know, God came through to him. And he said, I'm just letting you know I'm working full time. I've, I haven't been in jail in a couple of years. Uh, and I even started praying about a woman. I ran into a girl at a grocery store and she knows the Lord. And, um, and so he's like, I'd like to come up to New York and get baptized. And so um, he's like, you know, I just I want to come back to, to who introduced us. To, to Christ. And so, so he's, you know, he's on a journey, you know, he's like, and I want to talk with those boys. And again, I have to filter, you know, he's still got a little bit of street in him. He's like, he's like, he goes, cause, cause I'm not going to BS him. Of course he didn't say that, but he, he's like, he's, I'm going to tell him straight, you know, so he's he still got a little street in him, but, uh, but, but he's, so he's, he's, he's pounding his chest for Jesus at this point though. And he wants to let people know he's still kind of working out some nuances as we all are, but, uh, but it, on, the, on the delivery side, but no, but it, it's just an amazing story of transformation through love. And, and it's also, you know, mom used a phrase all the time. Um, you know, you can't count, you can count the number of, of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. And so the, the idea that we get to be seed planters with these young people, not people fixers, we're not here to, 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 to do the finished product. The Holy Spirit, God's word can do that. Is, is very freeing when you're working with broken people. And so just, you know, just kind of showing up and being that consistent force. Then seven, eight years, 10 years later, somebody's showing up and those seeds have started to kind of branch, to, to bloom. And, and to, so for me, you know, that's not just, 
you know, just Timothy Hill, you guys are involved with thousands and thousands of people, with just the people representing this room in your own life, in your own communities. And, you know, I just know that working with really hurting, broken people, that's been something very freeing for me because for a long time, I thought a lot of it was up to me in terms of my delivery, how I could actually get this kid to the other side. And it, and it really is. It's just being present and just planting those seeds. You mentioned your mom there, Ms. Fern Hill. So Jerry and Fern Hill were the founders of Timothy Hill. Timothy, of course, was their son and your older brother who died 49 years ago this week. But Timothy had this dream of caring for young people with the love of Christ. And so it was his dream, but it was your mother and father's DNA that has shaped this ministry. And so, Miss Linda, you've talked to me about the ministry and the person, the example of Miss Fernhill. Um, she's in a, a special moment in her life. As she's um, nearing the end of her life on this earth and preparing for heaven. And I thought you might just share with this group a little bit about Miss Fernhill and her, her example to you and her importance in this ministry. Folks here know I love Fern. I brought my Kleenex, so if I can't get through this, you'll understand. But um, Fern Hill knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. And she wants everybody that she comes in contact with to know the love of Jesus. Whether it's the teen girls in her Bible class over the years, the ladies from the community sitting at her dining room table, or the hundreds of boys that have walked in her door. She wants them to know how much she loves them and how much Jesus loves them. They can come in and say, Grandma Hill, I need some breakfast, and she'll whip out her special recipe of granola, or she'll pull something out of the fridge and fix them breakfast. It may be hours after breakfast has been served. But she'll sit down and play Chinese checkers with them. She'll study their homework with them. And I was saying this morning, if they get a little out of hand and need some discipline, she takes them to the flower bed and lets them work off some of that frustration and energy. But she's on her knees with them, digging in the garden or digging in the flower bed with them. She's the epitome of hospitality. It just comes from her. And I know I've taken about 50 or so folks from Highland up there, and they've seen it. And they know that Fern and Jerry are the DNA. And as a board, we constantly check ourselves. Are we on task? Are we doing, are we fulfilling Timothy's dream? Are we following the DNA that's inside of us? But we know that that DNA from Jerry and Fern passed on to this guy over here is the love of the Lord. Uh, she, uh, she she entered hospice about two and a half weeks ago. Um, uh, we we started our board retreat this week on Wednesday, and we went over to the Cersei campus, and the board will be joining us in the next service. <clears throat> um, Dad made the trip. Mom wanted Dad to make the trip, and so uh, he came with us, but we put him on a plane this morning. Uh, so he could get back there this afternoon. So she's still with us, but in the last couple of days has become less coherent. So she's, you know, definitely in the final, final days. Um, 
there's a guy in our circle that is about, about 60 years old. I think Dad married him and his wife a few years ago. He's uh, rough around the edges, guys. I guess has all kind of a checkered past. And uh, came to us a couple weeks ago, right about the time she was going on hospice, and said he had to do 400 hours of community service. And was researching where he could do community service and found out it could be at Timothy Hill. So he's a lovely wife, um, and uh, you know they definitely are growing and uh, in in just their own walk. But um, he, mom, mom asked, said, "Can he do his community service by reading me scripture? Because he doesn't know the Lord." So she had him. She had him read the book of Acts at her bedside. And uh, she got up out of bed on Tuesday to go down to the lake where we grew up and dad baptized. She hadn't, she hadn't been out of bed since, since then, but she wanted to make sure that one more was saved before, before she left. And she wanted Doug to be the focal point, which, you know, created some in interesting emotion even with the family, with some of the final days and time being spent with a relative stranger who's in the house every day reading scripture while we're trying to make her comfortable and helping her transition. But that's who Fern Hill is, and that her final days was going to be hanging with a stranger. So it's, it's because of that DNA uh, woven into the Tim Hill ministry that we are honored to be their partner and have been since the mid-90s. And so I just want to encourage you to give generously today because they're investing in many, like the young man, Chris, that you saw earlier, like this, this man uh, reading scripture at Fern's bedside in her last moments. Uh, they're investing in many for the sake of Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to invest in them as, as they do that thing. Uh, Linda or Thad, one final word for the Highland Church is, is they're considering their generosity and graciousness today. I think you have a good picture of what Timothy Hill is all about. Um, I would like to tell you we have a staff. I've, we've been with our department heads this week, and they're unbelievable. The depth, the love, the commitment that they carry to the boys 24-7, uh, and if they're amazing in the love and the hospitality they show. But let me just encourage you. We have a Timothy Hill residence over near Cookville. Beautiful lodge, beautiful retreat. We've gotten that. We now have one in Searcy. We were over there this week. It blew my mind. Go see for yourself. Visit our staff. Meet some of the boys. And you'll do like that team in 93, you'll just see what it's all about and how real and genuine it is. So I encourage you to take a little weekend trip and go to Arkansas or go to uh, Center Hill and see it for yourself. And I think you'll come back with a, a heart ready to share with others. That's right. Be sure to take the I-55 bridge if you go to <laughs> Arkansas. Let me prepare us for communion. I'll invite the priest and y'all go ahead and and have a seat. I'm just going to lead us into communion and dismiss us this morning. Would you turn to Mark 7? Let me show you something about Mark 7 that gets us ready to take the Lord's Supper together and to, to give to our life-giving Sunday today. Mark 7 starts 
with Jesus in another scrap, another disagreement with the Pharisees. And we won't get into the details this morning, but in the middle of that disagreement, Jesus laments. And he says, their hearts, their hearts are far away from me. Their hearts are far away from me. And then a few verses later, if you jump down to 21, he explains why this matters. And this is what he said. It's from the inside, from the human heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual sins, thefts, murders, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, unrestrained immorality, envy, insults, arrogance, and foolishness. Pay, pay attention to what he's saying there. He's saying the worst problems in our world come from the human heart. And this is why he says earlier in chapter 3, in another disagreement with the same people, the Pharisees were told that he was deeply grieved by their unyielding hearts. Their unyielding hearts. Well, think about that for a second. I mean, think about the, the truth of that imagery it's an it's a, it's a image of a heart with a fortress around it. A heart that can't be overtaken, a heart that withstands this assault, a heart that is unyielding. Only in this case, the one beating on the wall of the human heart is Jesus Christ. And he says, it is the unyielded heart, the distance of the human heart from him that causes the worst problems in our world. And so I want you to think today about what we are doing on Life-Giving Sunday. What we do is our leaders think through the ministries that we're going to partner with each year. Here's what we believe. Okay. It is not enough to treat the consequences. That we have to go after the cause. You know, you and I are grieved by the consequences that we see all around us of hearts that are unyielded to Jesus Christ. We see poverty and brokenness and inequity and violence and, and hurt everywhere we look. And you and I are grieved by those consequences, but what Jesus is deeply grieved by is the cause, the heart, the source. And so we don't go, we don't partner with ministries that simply treat the consequences, although so many of these ministries do. You know, if Timothy Hill just taught young boys to make better decisions now than they made in the past, that would be good work, but it would fall short of Jesus' work. You know, if Hope Works only taught people how to get a job, that'd be great work. There's a lot of people that need a job, but that would fall short of Jesus' work. You know, if Agape, Child and Family Services, simply took moms who are entering homelessness and placed them and their kids into safe houses, that would be good work, but that would fall short of Jesus' work. And if our missionaries all over the world, if they taught kids how to read and write, if they taught farmers to grow more sustainable crops, that would be great work, but it would fall short of Jesus' work. We believe the hope for the world, our hearts yielded to Jesus Christ. Okay, and we believe that one day every knee shall bow because God, like 1 John tells us, is greater 
than our hearts. God is greater than our hearts. And so today what we're going to do when we give, and like I shared at the beginning, you can give online, you can give in the boxes as you walk out this room. When we give today to Life-Giving Sunday, the reason we call it Life-Giving Sunday is we're going after the heart. Okay, we are going after the source of life in the name and in the power of Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing. And here's the other reason why we do that. We're going to make a sacrifice today, and I'm not going to belittle the fact, I'm not going to overlook the fact that this is a great sacrifice you're making. But we're going to make this sacrifice because he is first sacrificed for us. That his body has been broken and his blood has been shed, that we may have life and that our hearts might yield to him. So let me pray over us as we take this meal, the Lord's Supper, together, and then we'll be dismissed. Let me pray for us. God, we celebrate what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. That you have not only treated, but that you have saved our hearts. God, I pray that it's from those hearts we might be gracious today, might be generous today might sacrifice today as your son has already sacrificed for us. And it's in his name we pray, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.